Previously on Gigdeming Pause. The main thing I didn't hear you say that I think most people who go into Indies do say, and maybe that's why they give up. They think they will have such a break that they will be, you know, such a big, huge name. And maybe someone will find them and then they'll make millions from the indie project and someone will make a movie out of it or a TV show or a big comic book company. And the second you realize two, three years later that Hollywood is knocking at your door and you're not going to make millions from your indie project yeah. uh, and you're not going to be the next big, huge name, yeah. uh, you give up. And if that's not your expectations, then you don't give up because you're trying to break even. You're not trying to make millions. You're trying to get your story out there to as many people as possible. Correct. And every one person counts, not every 10,000. Yes. Yeah. I think maybe that's the big That's difference. right. That's exactly right. Today on Geekdoming Powers. I think you have to have patience for webcomics. It's a long, long, potentially sprawling kind of project that you can commit yourself to and you have to love it because it's not it's not a you know successful financial kind of job uh you know traditionally it's it's um it's a labor of love You are listening to Geekdom Empowers, the podcast about people empowered through their geekiness. Welcome back! My name is Guy Hasson and you are listening to Geekdom Empowers. Please excuse my voice, I'm getting over the flu, not COVID, the flu, so uh, my voice is shot and I will edit out my coughs and uh, we'll be fine. So... Geekdom Empowers is the podcast that highlights creators and fans in the geek world who do not often get to be highlighted. It's these people who make up almost all of the geek world. By talking to each person, by hearing their story, Geekdom Empowers creates a huge, giant, world-sized quilt of the geeks all around the world. Each person is a story and together we are one story, one huge geekverse quilt. Now, before we begin today, I'd like to update you on something interesting that's happened. A few episodes ago, I had on Jean-Paul Garnier from the Space Cowboys bookstore. Uh, and he has a Simultaneous Times podcast where he does uh, science fiction fantasy stories by science fiction fantasy authors. So he asked me to, uh, to send him a story. I sent him a story and just published one in episode 47 of the Simultaneous Times podcast. It's a short story that blurs the lines between reality and, you know, whatever it is. And it ties into his episode of Geekdom Empowers and to him reading it on, simultane- on the Simultaneous Times podcast. And to our happy COVID days and so on. So if you like having your lines blurred, and I don't want to spoil anything, so I don't, I'm not saying what the point of the story is, check that out, Simultaneous Times podcast in general and episode 47 in, um, specifically. So, check that out. Now, to our guest. Our guest today is Hannah Spikings, creator of the webcomic APOC, which is spelled A.P.O.C. So, APOC, A-B-O-C. We go through her origin story, through original character tournaments, to how she's able to do a multi-year project. It is a fascinating conversation, so let's listen. Nice to meet you. Fantastic to meet you, too. So... You are in the UK? 
yes, I am in the middle of the UK, probably smack bang in the middle of the UK, actually. Um, yeah, I'm in the West Midlands. Oh, I don't know. I was in London and uh, Dublin and uh, uh, Glasgow and uh, uh, Edinburgh. That's it. That, those are good places. I mean, I'm not going to lie. London is my bias. It's my favorite place. <laughs> but uh, yeah, we've got a, got some great cities in this country sometimes. Sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> I got, I got, uh, well, first of all, I, I'm a theater guy, so I love going to London and seeing uh, theater, especially the experimental one, but also. Nice. Uh, and I was shocked. I was there like a few, a few years ago, and I was shocked that there's no healthy food anywhere. Like the only healthy food in, uh, in London than I could find other than uh, um, basically Asian food, which had all the vegetables in it, uh, was it was called a health food and it was like bananas and stuff like that stuff, uh, put in a lot of sugar, basically. So oh, wow. Yeah, it, it can be quite like that sometimes to be fair, so, wow. So, uh, tell me your origin story. My origin story sounds like a superhero. Um, yes, that's the point. Yeah, um, so I've always been into art. I think a lot of artists have kind of grown up that way. But, you know, I was doing it from a very young age. Um, I had comics as a kid. They were mostly the Beano and Dandy comics, which uh, have been around for quite a long time in the UK. And what it's, is uh, it? What's Dandy comics? Well, Dandy is very similar to the Beano. Um, it's, I don't remember too much, but I think there was, a, I think the main character was a cowboy, Desperate Dan, maybe. But um, my dad used to have a lot of the old comics as well. So I would read his old comics and then I would buy the newer comics from the local post office. Um, and they, they were fun. They were just like nice, you know, weekly gags. Um, and I just enjoyed the visuals. It's nice to have a story that was visual rather than just reading it. Like the so, old ones were black and white, and uh, no, they were still color, in color. Okay. I think um, the, the the pages were a bit yellowed, but <laughs> the um, but the color was still there, so that was good. Um, but yeah, I I read a lot of those, and then I think I just got into I got into web comics when I was a teenager. Wait, I, I, uh, well, hold on, hold on. Just before that, I'm still on the origin story. Because <laughs> uh, I think you're the first uh, comics person uh, uh, on the podcast from uh, the UK. So, um, so I have a question because I grew up in the 80s and we had Transformers and we also had those uh, special um, Transformers, like... The, the special episodes of the Transformers, which they said, you know, this is from the UK and it's completely different. It was completely different uh, type of things. Oh, yeah, well, um, you know, I'm a 90s person, so yes. it may have skipped me by to an extent, but I do remember watching um, Saturday morning cartoons um, and there would be any old episode that you could catch because um, my family, we didn't have, we only had the basic five channels that were... Sure. Um, I meant to think there were different comic books. Like, oh, the comic books. The comics books were different. I never got those, no. Um, the, what we got was very limited because I came from um, quite a small village. So I pretty much only had my post office, which would 
uh, give me comic books. And even then it was, it was only a small set of different, like maybe a handful of, of choices, if that. And I was quite a uh, tomboy. I was very into like what the boys liked as a kid. So if it was the choice between Beano and Dandy or maybe a Barbie comic, I wouldn't have chosen the Barbie comic out of, uh, at that time, sheer revulsion, I think. So <laughs> I, was, I was really into just getting, getting like, you know, my knees scrapes and just sort of getting out there and doing what all the boys did. Okay. And I, I'd also like to find roots of, uh, we're going to get to an epic comic. So are there, uh, in the present. So how, were there any, did you know you liked writing or drawing? Like, what did you know you liked to do? Oh, I loved drawing. I was always drawing. I had, um, I had sketchbooks everywhere and I, I think I just took every chance I could to just keep on drawing and have weird and wacky kind of doodles going on. Mm-hmm. Um, it was any old thing as a kid. And sometimes I would try and take it a bit more seriously, even at a very young age, and just try and copy objects in the room and um, actually try and learn the fundamentals as, as an eight-year-old. <laughs> I think I should have been having a bit more fun at that point, but um, I was really taking it very seriously. Um, and then as I started to get into like 10, 12 years old, um, I, I paid more attention to what was on the internet. And the different comics that were on there or, you know, what, what was going on in that space in the mid 2000s, um, particularly original character tournaments on DeviantArt. Now, that was yeah. a big thing for me. Um, do you know about original character tournaments? No, I know about DeviantArt, so artists and photographers put the stuff. That's yeah, it. Well, that, that's it. That, that place is amazing back then for me because there was it was just opened my world to so many different genres and mediums of art. And yeah, my, my 12 year old self was sort of blown away by that. So um, I kind of really got into it and I, you know, I saw some comics coming up from time to time and I sort of read them, but I didn't understand what they, what the context was Mm -hmm. because all the characters seemed well established and were already in the middle of something. And the more I looked into it, I realized that there were original character tournaments. So you would organize tournaments online and um, all these creators would come together with their own original characters and who all had their own backgrounds and stories and, you know, uh, goals. And you put them all in a, like maybe on an island and you say, this character that you have is now matched up with someone else's character and you both have to duke it out in a comic. However you think it would go, go for it. And whoever makes the best story or comic goes through to the second round. Wow. That's nice. It was really good. It was, it was an absolute nightmare to try and keep tabs on who got through and who was against who. So I, I was really bad at that. I think I just, caught random snippets and i was just i was hooked though (laughs) i've never heard of people allowing other people to use this like i've never heard of anything like that it sounds great it's amazing honestly i don't know if they it still goes on but i think in the mid to late 2000s it was at a it was at a peak um on deviant art especially there was 
so many tournaments going on and artists were entering who a few years on became professionals in their own industry so yeah That's, it was okay. it was My great brain is like firing with ideas <laughs> we can do okay i'll yeah. save that for later so that i've never heard of that that's super interesting okay so and was there any uh hint of something epic epic stories that you like epic stories you wanted to tell back in the beginning um not for a while not until i got to probably about 15 or 16 um mm-hmm. i was still in i was still in the middle of looking at original character tournaments and starting to think about wanting to enter them myself. Um, I started just coming up with characters just randomly. And I thought, let's come up with a character that's cool and has black eyes and, um, you know, just has sort of death themed powers about her, I guess. Or maybe she's part animal. I don't know. So I, I was, I was just, I was a teenager who was just having the best time with characters and putting all sorts of what I thought would be the coolest, weirdest things into them. And then going, right, cool, I have a set of characters. Now let's just start drawing them a lot. And that's how the very, very beginnings of my webcomic APOC started. <laughs> so, okay. yeah. And so was that the first thing you, you started doing or? Um, in terms of comics, yes. I think um, I just I made the characters first and I just put them in small scenarios. And then from there, I would, I would think to myself, right, maybe this one can go into an original character tournament. And how would that look? How would that uh, come across? And would they work well in this setting? And so it became less of a let's just come up with cool characters, but also how would they... Um, how would they feel in certain environments and how would they react? And I think that's where the storytelling started to come in a bit more. Hmm. And okay, are, those, are those tournaments still online? Like, is there a way to go back and see like stuff you did? You can Find still some... see, yeah. I yeah. think some, some people have probably taken those down. I know that a lot of DeviantArt um, users tended to shut down their accounts after a while but mine is still up somewhere I think the last one I the last tournament I entered was in 2017 um, while I was still yeah. working a full-time job and that was the, the tournaments are a lot of work I think it's a well-known fact that people who come into these tournaments they put a lot of effort into it and um it's all-encompassing yeah you don't you don't just half-ass it you just go in with absolutely everything you can and um have a lot of fun and meet a lot of new people as well do you know of people who who did that and then moved on to because i assume only new people did it because people who are more veteran just said i'm going to stick to my project but do Uh, you know people yeah go ahead yeah no it was um i think it was a a wide variety of people there were definitely professionals who would enter it I think I think actually the one I entered in 2017 it was called other side and I remember I wanted to enter it because there was a professional in the webcomic industry that I liked who was entering it too and I was thinking to myself how how have they got the time they're already on their full-time webcomic how have they got the time to do this but 
man, it would be amazing if I went up against them. And um, so I entered on that in particular. But then once I got into it, I just enjoyed talking to everyone else. And everyone else was either looking to get into the webcomic industry or they were already in there or they were just doing their own thing or just having some fun. Some of them were students. Some of them were um, working other jobs completely. It was a really nice variety of different people just coming together and enjoying comics. And was this 2000, uh, you said 2017, so this is... Yeah, that was the last last one, but I I did do one back in 2010 as well. I think that was the first one I ever got into. Um... And that one was called Masquerade, I think. Um, And that was hosted by an artist who was quite well known at the time. And I think they still do professional arts, I believe. But um, it's so hard to keep track of everyone because sometimes their profiles on DeviantArt just vanished into the ether or was never seen again. (laughs) So (laughs) it's difficult. But yeah, um, that was a really good OCT as well. Um, Wait, can you say which artist it was? Or? I think the, the DeviantArt's name was called Black Lillian. Um, I'm not sure. I'm going to do a quick search. Yeah, I'm going to do a quick... Yeah, they used to do quite a lot of um, OCTs. I think they won one, actually, themselves. But, um, yeah, these these are old pages. <laughs> It's very hard to find them now. I found a fan club for them, apparently. But oh, um, <laughs> I just looked up the art. It's really great. Yeah, wow. it's, uh, it's, it's amazing stuff. And the fact that, you know, some people can turn out some high-quality storytelling in such a small amount of time, alongside having a full-time job or other commitments was, I don't know, it was definitely a... It, it was something that we all wanted to be there for, like we really wanted to be there for. Interesting. Okay, so you had characters which to create, to participate in the competition. And then what happened? How, how, what was the next step? I think I just wanted to make my own comic. Um, I didn't know what, it want, what I wanted it to be for a long time. I just wanted it to be cool. I just wanted to have fun with it. Um, I was still in college at the time and I was taking my exams for art and I wanted to be in the art industry in fact I wanted to be in the gaming industry because I realized you could you know be a concept artist in in games companies and I thought that could be a way of I I didn't expect to really make money or, or have a living doing comics I just liked doing it so I thought, well, that can be my side thing and I'll, I'll do gaming instead. So I was concentrating on that. And then on the side, I was um, drawing my characters and in different scenarios. And I think I had I started to just come up with a, a, a very long, sprawling Google document full of story ideas and a, a general start and end to this thing that eventually was APOC. And it looks messy as anything. I think I still have the old drafts around somewhere and it's awful to look through. (laughs) But I had fun. It was a lot of fun to do it. And I think, you know, that's one of the main things about this sort of, uh, like, epic 
story that you put yourself through for for any creator you you want to sort of if you if you commit to it you want to enjoy it in whatever form it takes even if it's the the early version of it which doesn't seem quite right and there's a lot of mistakes you still want to enjoy it so yeah I had my characters in in um in that setting and I think I only really got the first five chapters done for a very long time. I think after that, I lost steam and I didn't know where I was going. I, I would just put random little plot lines in and go, oh, yeah, that would be cool. Or, oh, the characters could do this. And every so often, I would, I would just sort of, I, I would just, I would come back to it, but then I'd leave it for a few months because other things were going on in life. Um, and then I'd just keep on coming back to it. I thought it would just be a fun little project to do and then I would leave it alone, but it wouldn't leave me alone. <laughs> and um, I had to continue. I felt like I had to continue with it because, you know, it, it will only ever be stuck in my head forever otherwise. Well, that's the thing. That's, that's, a, that's the thing about writers, by the way. The story builds up so much inside you that you have to, you have to get it out. Yeah, exactly. Like, like you know, yeah, in a strange way, it feels like an exorcism almost. You're trying to get this thing out of you because otherwise it's just going to be whirling around inside you for, you know, until the end of your days. So you've got to, even if it's not perfect, you know, especially if it isn't perfect, get it out anyway, because then, you know, there's a sense of peace and satisfaction in that. And then it will help move you on to new pastures and new goals and developments in your life that you can carry on to new stories yeah, that was me in my teenage years like a new story would build inside me and every six months i would just you know write it down in like a few days or a week or two uh and uh it, it's not when you get it out it doesn't have to be perfect it can only be perfect after you get it out when you yes. fix it and That's then the there's room for a new story see the problem is here is that like, I wish that my story would only take about, you know, a few days to just get out. Unfortunately, I've, I think I've calculated it's going to take quite a few years. Um, How <laughs> many? Looking at, um, at the moment, I'm looking at 12 to 15. <laughs> oh, yeah, no, it's fine. It's, you know, just keep on trucking along. It should be, a, it'll be easy. It'll be fine. <laughs> I can tell you I'm writing. Uh, anyway, it's a, it's, a, it's a long project. I'm writing uh, an epic that's 30 years. I know it's going to take me 30 years to do. Wow. And at some point I said, okay, I have to do it now. I'm going to be too old uh, to finish it when it's done. Yes. Yeah. yeah that, it, that's something that is often forgotten. Sometimes you just think, oh, no, well, it will get done. It'll be fine. And then I think I, I saw a YouTube video a while back where um, a guy took about 11 maybe 13 years on his own comic. And he realized this was not, uh, not the most efficient way because he put a lot of details into his background. He, he made every, every panel an, a masterpiece. And he would never copy and paste. He would never take shortcuts because he wow. felt like that was the wrong way to do it. And only afterwards he thought to himself maybe maybe I could have made this shorter on myself because I only have about four more stories like that left in me at that time mm. scale so I have to be faster 
if I really want to get to the stories that I love the most out there. So that sat with me. And um, I think I would like APOC to be done sooner, but I'm going as fast as I can right now. And it's, <laughs> you can only go so fast before you burn yourself out. Oh. And when you burn yourself out, it takes just the same, you know, because you have to stop. Yeah. Um, do, do you think maybe you can use help? I mean, I, I could. I think I am terrible at delegating. Mm-hmm. Absolutely terrible. And that's a fault that I want to work on over time. But um, I would have to delegate and I would want to pay fairly as well to anyone who would help sure. me out. And I'm not sure whether I can do that yet. Um, so it's, it's a few... Uh, problems with that but I think it's something that I would like to do if if APOC really takes off it's on it it's getting there but it's, it's a slow process just like webcomic making um, mm-hmm. and over time more people sort of see it and hopefully you know I can sort of get a bit more st- stability with it so to speak how, how are you getting the, the, the word out um, at the moment, I'm just doing the comic. I am trying to, uh, I'm writing articles. I am just talking to other creators. I'm just getting it all out on social media and going through different, a lot of, a lot of creators tend to use social media now for the main place to get their comic shown. And I do do that, but it doesn't always work amazingly for me. But what I work, what I found out did work well for me was the Top Web Comics website, if you know about that. No. It's a site where you basically upload a banner of your webcomic mm-hmm. and readers will vote on their favorite webcomics every month. Okay. And the more votes you have, the further up the leaderboard you go, mm. and so more people will see you. So... The first, the front page has the first top 100 web comics. It's quite an old. It's an old website. It's not very. It's still going. It's just it's not as modern as most websites are nowadays. But I found that I can now get into the top 50, wow. usually quite easily every month because people keep voting for APOC, and that has got more readers. And arguably a different demographic to what a lot of other comic creators would get on websites such as Tapastic or Webtoons. How, how is all the demographics different? I would say that a lot, I've found that a lot of younger readers tend to um, go on Webtoons and Tapastic. Mm-hmm. Um, we're talking about, you know, as young as uh, young teenagers, whereas a comic site like web, Top Web Comics um, seems to be for more of the millennials, I would say. Um, okay. And I find that when I try and sell APOC at conventions, the, the, there's such a different age group. It's um, a lot of people from their 20s, 30s, 40s, but then also very young teenagers. It, it seems to just... Um, peak interest to quite a quite a nice array of people. <laughs> nice. And I, you have to tell uh, the people what the comic book is about. All right. I mean, well, not the comic book, what it's about. Well, it's, it's a supernatural 
urban fantasy webcomic. Um, and essentially, it's about four young adults um, that harness the powers of the four horsemen of the apocalypse. And they didn't ask for this, but that was how they were made, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And they all have their own uh, histories, troubled histories with this. And in one way or another, they're all currently living in a slightly futuristic London, which looks to have a troubling future. So from that, chaos inevitably ensues. Essentially, I would say it's, it's a story that kind of, I don't know, it, 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 the theme is, is drawn from this feeling that I currently have with the UK as it stands and the fact that I think not everything is quite right here right now and I don't think we're going towards anything that's much better. And I like to sort of take that and put that into the story and play around with that idea. Yeah, that was actually my, my, would have been my next question. So it's a documentary that would have been it. Um, so, and do people react to that? Do people understand that? I think, I think people get an idea of that. I think a very good example was um, when I started off the third chapter and I, I thought it would be time for a bit of, you know, exposition and a bit of explanation on the current state of affairs in the country mm-hmm. in the story. And um, that was back in 2018 that I wrote that. And I talked about like, oh, the 2020 riots happened and then everything changed in 2020. <laughs> and um, 2020 obviously came and went and people read that page and they were like, hold on. This feels a bit familiar. Like it's not the same, but it feels familiar. And it's just trying to gauge, um, not necessarily, it's not trying to predict events. It's just trying to gauge the feeling of the events that could come mm-hmm. and put it in a more uh, fantastical setting and exaggerate it a bit. But then something like COVID or, you know, Brexit happens and it almost writes a story for you. Yeah. And yeah, pe- people have caught that um, to one extent or another. And well, I think... Yeah, fine. Yeah, no, I think, I think they find that interesting and they want to know where it's going to go. But, you know, <laughs> I, I know where it could go and I'm not 100% sure because I'm always up for changing elements, but yeah, it's, it's a certain mood, that comic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And what what kind of uh, responses have we been getting? Like people are emailing you, messaging you. I get some comments where people are just like, "This is a bit too familiar," or, you know, I came in here for a for a fantasy, and uh, you, came, you came back at me with real life, and I'm like, "Well, <laughs> it's 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 not real life, but it's very close in some respects." And I just mm-hmm. like to sort of blur the line and and go from there. Because, I mean, at the end of the day, I'm talking about um, four people who have the four horsemen of the apocalypse's powers. So, of course, it's not real. But then you put it in what feels like an almost real setting. Um, 
I think a lot of creators like to talk about when they when they do futuristic um, settings or near futuristic settings, they talk about dystopia and post-apocalyptic kind of scenarios. But I find more interesting a pre pre-apocalyptic scenario, one where we're getting to something and it's very hard to change course and you know that something's coming and it's not good but can you stop it and you know do you have that in you and I feel that kind of reflects a little bit of how many people see the world today yeah that's the basis of art and storytelling that's very important uh what is it like to be on shows to go and uh to sell your comic books at conventions um it's amazing i love it um i've only done it twice because i I meant to do a lot of it in 2020 but it wasn't to be Mm. um so i do have a lot of (laughs) convention stock in my study right now that i'm looking to um try and sell maybe in the next year but it's been wonderful it's a fantastic experience to just talk to people and you know everyone's sort of uh been very positive about the story it's not for everyone of course but mm-hmm. for those who are interested they've been like yeah no I'm here for it I want to read it and then a few like I did um my latest convention was in November and um it was like I said the second one I've ever done and it went really well I, I sold a lot of um stock I also do illustrations and prints so mm-hmm. that was nice um and people bought the comic I had I had self-published at the moment but I hope to maybe um, publish through a company in the future fingers crossed yeah my, my, you know maybe yeah. movie or TV show <laughs> yeah, you um, know, it'd be nice to go on Netflix have a Netflix mm, show of this <laughs> sure uh, my main question now is like where where does the patience come from because you have to have patience to write, but you also have patience to to get, you know, people are not, you know, you just can't walk up to people and say, hey, buy my comic, and it becomes, uh, you know, viral. Uh, it's a really long process, and, and you know, it takes years. Uh, and going to conventions, some people just, most people just go, you know, just keep walking or talk to you and then move on. How, where does the patience come from? Um. I think I've always been a patient person. I would like to think at least, but um, if people don't like the comic, that's absolutely fine. Art is subjective and we all have our own views and ideas of the world and what we want to read. Maybe it's a bit too close to home in some respects and people would like a lighter comic. And, you know, I don't think APOC, APOC has its light moments, but I wouldn't say in the theme it's a light comic. So not everyone's going to be here for it, but if people really want to read something like this, then they'll say so and they'll buy it. And that's that's good enough for me because, yeah, it would be lovely to, you know, have a Netflix show with this and get, get it as a movie. And essentially, if I can just make a living off of this and people will like what I put out there, that's enough for me because the, the joy is in making it. and. I have, I have the patience to make it because, well, it's been with me for so long and it hasn't gone away. I've not got bored of it. So I'm going to have to do something about it. So I do something about it. And 
in a sense, it doesn't, like I said before, it's not, it doesn't have to be a perfect creation. In fact, the process of creating it is that that's the that's the crux of it. You improve as you go along and you explore different themes and ways of writing and storytelling. Like the, the difference between my first page and my latest page of APOC is like night and day, and it's only been four years. I mean, in another four, it could be another day entirely in that kind of metaphor. Um, I think you have to have patience for web comics. It's a long, long, potentially sprawling kind of project that you can commit yourself to. And you have to love it because it's not, it's not a, you know, successful financial kind of job, uh, you know, traditionally. It's, it's, um, it's a labor of love. Those are great closing words. So, but before that, is there anything you wanted to talk about that we didn't cover? Um, I think something I wanted to mention was some of the themes in APOC is that I like to talk a lot about our sense of mortality mm. because with um, the Four Horsemen of the Apocalypse comes a, a bunch of terrible potential consequences you know, to the earth and all of us. Um, as individuals and as communities and I think the main character Clara she has death as her horseman within her and so she's constantly she, she, she thinks about mortality a lot she cannot die um, so she's as far as she's concerned immortal but that doesn't stop her being affected by the people around her who may leave and go on to somewhere new and I think I want to have like a healthy conversation in a webcomic about death and just discuss and expand on that kind of topic in a healthy manner because it is such a heavy thing to talk about of course but I, I don't know I think I think there's a lot a lot of uh, conversation that we can all have about that as a community but it takes a certain amount of gravi gravitas and just trying to sit down and be honest with ourselves and that you know you only have so much time on earth how do you want to how do you want to use that time and will you be okay with how it ends um so I, I think about that sort of stuff a lot so I think in a sense I probably am a bit of a goth but um <laughs> but it's, it's very fascinating topics for me so I guess that's not the lightest way to end this. My apologies. <laughs> We are talking about art. This I wouldn't be surprised if most people uh, want to know about that. So uh, I want to deal with that. So, uh, and where can people find you? Um, people can find me on Twitter. Um, I have my handle at hspikings. Um, I have a Facebook page, which I think is Spikings Art. And uh, read my webcomic. It's free to read. Um, all of it's up there at www.apoccomic.com. Thank you so much to Hannah Spikings. And excuse my voice again. The links to her Twitter, Facebook, and the comic book, the webcomic, APOC, are in the show notes. So check those out now.
next time, because there's always a next time. We're talking to someone who will share a very personal story with a unique path. So no spoilers. I can't say anything. Just tune in. What do you think about this episode? Email me at guy.hasson at gatamiempowers.com. You know, I want to hear what you think. I also want to hear from you if you have uh, people, geeks, fans, anyone around the world who you think would make great guests. And let me know if I can read your email on the podcast. Our website is geekdomeempowers.com. On Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok, we're at geekdomeempowers. And, uh, and we're also on YouTube, uploading old episodes daily. Uh, so check out geekdomeempowers on YouTube. If you want to check out my other podcast, the Squash Buckley Diaries podcast, which is the 30-year project I was talking about. So it's a podcast and quite a few books together. That's the project. Feel free to check it out, the Squash Buckler Dies podcast. And I'll also remind you to check out episode 47 of the Simultaneous Times podcast and check out the Simultaneous Times podcast, which is super cool. I will see you next time with a better voice and with me much healthier. So for now, have an empowered day.